Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Blog Talk Radio family. This is Leslie Gist. You're listening to the Gist of Freedom. I have on the line Miss Ginger Baines. Miss Ginger yes. Baines, are you on the phone? Yes, Ginger Bain Miller. I'm on the phone. How are you? Great, great. I'm so happy we're finally finally able to get through. Could you uh, introduce yourself to our audience? Yes, hi, everybody. My name is Ginger Miller. I'm the president and CEO of an organization that I founded two years ago entitled John 14-2, Inc., and I'm also a commissioner on the Maryland Commission for Women and a disabled veteran. Great. Uh, you have a lot of titles. Can we first start off with the name? How did you come about, um, you know, naming your company? Um, okay. Um, I, I prayed about it first, um, and I wanted a name that would mean something to me. Um, I wanted something that was scriptural because um, when I was going through my times, and I guess we'll get into that in the show, of being a homeless veteran, um, I prayed a lot and I sought the Lord a lot. And so I said to God, I said, give me something that's going to be significant of the trials and the tests that I went through during my time. And that's how I came up with the name John 14-2, Inc., because the scripture reads, in my father's house there's many rooms. If it wasn't so, I would have told you i go to prepare a place for you. And then with the situation that I had in my real father's house, if there had been an extra room, then I wouldn't have to be homeless. So that's why that name is significant to my organization and to the struggles that I went through. Okay, um, let's go back to the day you signed up to um, serve the country. Okay, um, that was back in 1980, I think I went to the Navy in 1988 is when I signed up to go into the Navy. I did four years in the military, in the Navy. Okay, what attracted you to the Navy? Um, I went to the Navy specifically for the GI Bill because my parents didn't have, you know, any funds to send me to college, and I wanted to go to college. I didn't want to do, you know, the business school thing, which was always an option, you know, in the African-American communities for kids that really didn't have the know-how or the parents that had the financial ability to send them to college. And my dad had actually took me to um, one school, I believe it was the Catherine Gibbs School, and I'd actually signed up to be an executive secretary, but I said, you know what, I really want to have the college experience. So I went down to the Navy recruiter, and I signed up. Okay, and let's walk us through. Um, how did how did you arrive to the point where you were homeless from that day when you signed up? Okay. Okay, um, I did four years in the Navy. Um, I went from Hempstead, New York, and I got stationed in Annapolis, Maryland, where I met my husband. We got married um, six months after we met. Um, in 1990, I got stationed in Campus Jew, North Carolina with him. Um, he got out. He had did his four years and got out. And I was um, signed up to do another four years, and I ultimately ended up getting a medical discharge. So what we had planned for me to stay in and do 20 and for him to get out, that kind of went, you know, south because I ended up getting a medical discharge due to a boat accident and a car accident that I had when I was in the Navy. So when I got out, uh, we moved back to New York, which was supposed to be on a temporary basis because my husband had a job. Um, he had got hired, <clears throat> excuse me, to work in a correctional facility in Pennsylvania. So we were there in New York waiting on that job to come through. I was pregnant with our first child, and that job fell through. Um, the government had stopped funding on that particular facility. So we ended up staying in New York. You know, um, my husband has post-traumatic stress disorder, 
And at that time, because he was unemployed and it was hard for him to find employment, you know, he was really <clears throat> in bad shape at that particular point in time. Fast forward, when my son was about maybe about a year and a half, maybe two years old, um, I was going to school full-time and I was working a part-time job. And my brother, who had three kids, my mom had just got custody of those kids. So they needed that place to stay. And it's kind of like, okay, well, you two are adults, you know, you have to find some place else to, to stay, but where do you go? Okay. Um, now, let's back up just a little bit. There were some wars going on during that time, around 88. I remember specifically I had yeah. two friends. Which one yeah. was it? I believe it was the Persian Gulf War, the original one. The Persian Gulf War was going on at that time. Because this was about, at this time, it had to be about 94, 95 maybe. Okay. So the Persian were, Gulf War was going on. Were you guys active? Did you Did you go over there? My husband went over there to the first one. He was over there. Okay. And any um, uh, ill effects from, from that experience? Um, yeah, he has post-traumatic stress disorder from that experience. And I believe there's some other, you know, disabilities that, he's had, that he has that he's not willing to, to share or even come to grips with. I think he's in denial as far as that's concerned. He um, goes back and forth to the doctors a lot but he doesn't really want to deal with some of the issues, you know, that he got from Desert Storm. Right, that's what it is, Desert Storm. Yeah, well, okay, Desert so, Storm, that's mm-hmm. Okay, at that time when you moved to New York, was he medically he was he medically discharged as well when he was no. waiting for his job? No, he got a, a regular discharge because he just got out when his four years was up. Um, so he just had a, a regular honorable discharge. He didn't have a medical discharge. You know, he didn't so get died, so... Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, when would, when did his problems start, you know, to flare up? When um, did you recognize well, well, his problems? You know, his his problems had started, you know, when he after he came back from the first tour. So he always had his problems. It was just a, a matter of him, you know, recognizing, number one, I have a problem. Number two, I need to get help for the problem. So, I mean, we lived with that post-traumatic stress disorder for at least, I want to say, six years, maybe five, five or six years before he even went for help. All right. Okay. All right. All right. I'll, I'll let you resume back to where you were, and you were saying that um, the job that he had lined up had fallen right. through. You had right. you were pregnant with your first child, right? And there was no place for you to go. Right. I mean, we we my sister was like, okay, you know, you have X amount of days to find somewhere, but with a part time income, you know, um, with two adults and one kid, it's kind of like, well, where do you go? You know, at that particular point in time, you know, rents are not cheap in Hempstead. Um, to find some place decent enough to stay for the money that we had, it just was not doable. So we ended up, you know, going from hotel to hotel, you know, in the car a couple of nights until we saved up enough money, you know, to find some place. And it was a family member that was nice enough to give me some place to stay. So, you know, and even with that, yeah, but even with that, it was still, you know, substandard conditions because, of the type of environment that it was, you know, but we did the best that we could do in that environment to make it um, as much like home as possible, you know, for our son until we can do better. And at that time, I started working three jobs, going to school full-time, until we saved enough money, you know, to move out, and I found a property in a nice area. I mean, the house was, it needed to be fixed up, but at least I had something that I could rent to own. And then I did that. Now, let's Let's mm-hmm. back up just a little bit. Okay. When your family was, you know, when your family couldn't help you as far as lending you a room in their home, 
Um, do you think it has something to do with um, your condition? Do you think they will? Because a lot of people will have stigmas when it comes to right. um, veterans and mental right. health. <clears throat> Correct. Do you think that was an issue where you're a little timid? Um, you know what? It, it it could have very well been an issue because what I can tell you is that at that time, you know, his post-traumatic stress disorder was in high gear. Meaning that, you know, one minute he'll be happy, the next minute, you know, he's ready to tell everybody in the house off. So it was a difficult period, you know, and I guess they figured, you know what, this is not really our problem, Ginger, it's your problem. They never said it, but now that you brought it up, that could be a contributing factor because it was difficult to live with him at that point in time. Okay. And because um, I know in our family, it is a stigma, you know, when, mm-hmm. when someone comes back from the service, you know, not in my generation, but my parents, I used to always mm-hmm. hear that. You know, uh, they never came back the same, and people were a little right. weary. Right, so, and, um, and it's wondering. It. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, and back back in that day, like with the Vietnam era, they called it shell shock. And from what I can see, shell shock and PTSD, you know, is similar. You know, you just don't know how the person's going to react. A lot of guys kind of like withdraw; they don't want to be, you know, around crowds. And you know, the mood swings are just incredible. It's incredible. And you know, I was in a meeting today, and they were discussing the same thing on how we can. <clears throat> talk to landlords in the community to let them know what the veterans are going through to kind of soften that initial blow so they would be willing to rent houses to veterans that's coming back from Iraq. Okay. So let's move back to where you were. You were saying you got a nice fixer-upper. Yes. It was your first home, and I yes. know that was an exciting day. Um, yes, How did was. you come across the house? Did you, you know drive what I, by? Were you looking? Go ahead. No, I actually looked in the penny saver. I actually looked in the penny saver, and this is the ironic thing. I looked in the penny saver because the same brother that got custody of his three kids, my mom was like, okay, well, now you have to take your kids and go. So it's kind of like I said to him, well, you know what, since you have to leave and I really don't have enough money to rent a place, let's get a place together. Okay. So I went and I found this property, and we all moved into this house together and rented this place until I was able to purchase it. And that's what I did. Excellent. Now things are look things are looking up right now at oh, that yes. point in your life. Oh yeah, definitely. So, one thing one thing so, about so, myself and I, I thank God for it, you know, I have endurance and you know, I just like to keep going. Even when I was going through those hard periods in my life, I never said, Oh, you know, well it's me or I never felt bad. My focus was, you know, how do I get us out of this situation? You know, my son deserves better I deserve better. What do I need to do to get myself out of the situation? So it wasn't until, you know, two years ago when I started advocating on behalf of homeless veterans that I realized how bad my situation was. Where do you think this stress came from? God. God. Okay. Who introduced you to him? You know what? (laughs) Growing up as a child, I, I don't come from a strong faith background, but, you know, my mother would attend church, you know, we would go to church on Easter, but, you know, at some point in my life, it's like, okay, well, you know what, I'm going to talk to God. You know, even at that that particular point in time in my life, I was not attending church at all, but I just knew that God was real in my life. When was the first time you really recognized a miracle or something that made you, like, drop to your knees where you, you just felt so blessed and so grateful? when you were going through this circumstance. Do you remember, you should, um, like, going through your experience <clears throat> your first miracle and knowing that everything was going to be okay? 
Um, you know what? Actually, and I'm going to be honest with you, Leslie, I've okay. never had one of those moments when I was going through because I was going through it, so it was like a continuous basis. It wasn't until I moved my family to Maryland, and honestly, it wasn't until two and a half years ago when I had that experience. You know, okay. and, and okay. It, um, when I got to the point to where my husband's social matter stress disorder, you know, because sometimes it's mild, sometimes it's not, and I was just like, you know what, God, I can't take this anymore. You know, I've been married for 22 years. Well, at that time, I think it was almost 20 years. And, you know, he's having these mood swings. And basically, my life at that time consisted of walking on eggshells. We don't want to do anything to take Dad off. We don't want to do anything to make him mad. If you spill something, clean it up really quick so he don't have the opportunity to come in here and see something on the floor and go haywire. So we were like, you know, captives in our, in our own home. So I said, God, I said, is this marriage a blessing or a curse? I said, because I can't take it anymore. I said, it has to be either a blessing that's going to squeeze out of this or I'm going to have to walk away. And I knew in my heart, I don't believe in divorce, particularly that's just my own belief, and I knew that I married this man because I loved him. So for me, walking away wasn't an option. And at that point in time in my life, God spoke to me clear and said, listen, it's time for you to go out here and do something for these veterans that don't have a strong support system. And that's when I started John 14.2, Inc., and that was when I had that, that moment like, okay, God, wow, so you mean to tell me everything that I've been through up until this point was like a training camp for me? You know, and at that point I said, God, you mean you kept me for such a time as this to go out here and, and strengthen my brother and sister now that I've been converted? So at that point, what were you going through? Were you washing the dishes? Were you um, doing a no, laundry? I was after- no, I was at, yeah. at that. You mean what was I going through when all this happened? Yeah, where were you physically when you I was had in my, this I was in my I was in my in my bedroom, walking back. My husband was sitting on the couch, um, in the sitting room, and I was in my bedroom doing something, going back and forth in my closet, looking at him, looking at my husband from behind him. He couldn't see me, and I'm just pacing like God. You know what? What is it? Is this a blessing or a curse? So I was in my bedroom with my husband, he didn't know what I was talking to God about because I was praying in silence, and, you know, that's when it happened. And I'm just like, okay, okay, God, um, I'll do it. You know, I'll, I'm the type of person, I'll try anything once. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll start an organization. The very next day I made some phone calls to the VA. Um, that was in, I want to say it was in March, like the end of March, and I talked to a gentleman there, and he had some kind words for me. Um, the next two weeks, we took off to New Orleans to do a conference with the VA, attended that, and, you know, things have just been going from there. Okay. Now, slow down. When you, when you <clears> saw <throat> the VA office, what did you tell them? Okay, I said, my name is Ginger Miller. Um, I said, I'm calling to find out about this conference that you guys are having because I'm interested in, you know, starting an organization to work with veterans that are homeless and at risk of being homeless. And this particular. And how did you know? How did you hear about the conference? Um, on the VA website. On okay, the VA so website, after you had this conversation, mm-hmm. and you knew what you had to do, you mm-hmm. decided to go search the internet. Right. Right. And okay. because I am a disabled veteran, I, I already knew about the Department of Veterans Affairs, but I just didn't know that they had a whole department that dealt with homeless veterans. Because had I known that back in the nineties then I could have gotten more help from them, but I didn't know about it. Wow, that's powerful. So you yeah. you got a, you just went right to the Internet and you called him up and he said, let's get started. Let's get, He had something for you to do. 
Right. What What do I need to do to get started to start this organization to help homeless veterans? And they said, okay, we're having a faith-based conference. This will happen with faith-based in New Orleans. Um, would you like to go? And I'm like, okay, you know, I'll go. And I don't really fly a lot, but I'm learning that with this this uh, mission that God has me on, I might as well get my wings. But we had enough money just to get down to the conference, and we brought along a colleague with us, a gentleman that was working with us from the church. We paid for everything for him, and we got down there. And this is this was a big leap of faith because, number one, I don't like to fly. Number two, my funds were very limited. We had enough to pay for airfare and hotel and to feed the gentleman that we brought, but we didn't even have money to, to, to eat when we were wow. down there. But, yeah, but God is good because people was just like, oh, well, you know what, you know, come out and eat with us tonight. We want to talk to you, and we'll we'll take care of the bill. Now, a lot of people are familiar with faith-based, but mm-hmm. for those who are, explain, what is a, what is a faith-based organization? How did the faith-based work in your um Okay, well, my, my organization, I, people ask me all the time, well, Ginger, is it faith-based? Um, and I tell them, yes. Do I advertise it as faith-based? No. Um, a lot of the faith-based organizations are, from what I understand, are run by churches. Um, they have a strong belief in God, and they do things, you know, maybe a little bit differently. But I have not been operating John 14.2, Inc. as a faith-based organization. Um, there's a little box that you can check when you're applying for a grant, you know, to say, okay, yes, I'm faith-based. But at the end of the day, you know, what does it really mean? Because when you're applying for a federal grant and you're a faith-based organization, you know, and you're getting that federal funding, you're not allowed to really have church on the premises that's being paid for by that funding. Wow, that's very so, true. Uh, so, in yeah, order so, for you so, to get the, get the money, you can't you can't praise God or you can't acknowledge Him. You're limited, correct? I mean, I, I visited a facility probably about a year and a half ago. Um, they're not a faith based organization, but they had a chapel that you have to go through like a closet, and then there was a door behind the closet that opened up to a chapel. So this way, if someone, if one of the funders came on the pre- premises they wouldn't see, you know, that chapel because then they would lose funding for that. So, you know, my thing is with John 14. So you have to deny your God. What what you're saying is the government wants you to deny your God and your faith in order to receive the money. Not, I I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that to that extreme. I wouldn't say deny your God. You just can't push it on people, on the people that you're trying to help. I mean, say, for instance, if, you know, this is a Christian faith-based organization, okay, and I'm advertising as such. Then if I have veterans that are Jewish or Muslim, can I service them? Right. And I can, I can understand. You know, so, and so we have that problem think, with, the, with the Constitution. People misinterpret it by saying that um, separation of church and state. I mm-hmm. think what faith-based how it's supposed to work is that you sh- you should be able to show your chapel or whatever faith you are into or you believe in, but you just cannot say, I will not assist you because you don't believe in the same God or you don't you know, practice the same faith that I have. That's the way it should work. You know, right. that's, that's the way the Constitution says it should be. You can't force someone to do what you do, but you can help people of all persuasions. Correct. But from, from, what, from what I have been told, you know, when you're applying for this federal funding, you can't, okay, if, if I get federal funding for, let's say, a house, and... You know, I can't have a chapel on that property that's being um, 
paid for by that federal funding. Do you see what I'm saying? Wow. Yeah, I see. So, I know. If I want to I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. But, I, I but you know, I wasn't surprised. But go ahead. The, the thing is, what I believe is that, you know, with these veterans and stuff that's coming back now, a lot of them need to know God, and they need to know mm-hmm. that God forgives them for these crimes that they have committed because ultimately you're killing somebody. You know, and a lot of people that goes against what they believe morally. So now you come back to America and it's like, okay, God, you know, I've killed, you know, 10 people. You know, so so my thing is, you know, these veterans need to know, you know what, God still loves you. You were doing your job. They need to know. They need to really find God so they can deal (laughs) with the the spiritual as well as the mental. But I just want to say this. There's a gentleman by the name of Delegate Ross here in Maryland. He's a delegate for the 22nd District, I believe, and I should know that by heart, but I don't, the 22nd District. Um, he's a great supporter of John 14.2, Inc. But one of the first things he told me at the first meeting we had, he said, Ginger, you know, I love what you're doing. My father told me to support your organization. He said, but if you want to get help, you're going to have to change the name. You can't have John 14.2, Inc. Because the county has been burnt so many times by faith-based organizations that, you know, they're going to be reluctant to give you funding. And I told them, well, you know what, Delegate Ross, if I have to get money from the county and changing the name of my organization is a requirement, then I don't want it. I said, because I can't change the name that God gave me. I can't do that because right. it, 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 mean, it means something. So um, fast forward, he and I had a roundtable in Annapolis, Maryland, six months after that, invited senators and, you know, important people that could make key decisions. Um, the first thing he said when he introduced me, he said, you know, Ginger Miller, you know, is a fine woman, yada, 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 yada. And he said, I want to let you know something that I told her. I told her to change the name of her organization, you know, six months ago. And she said to me, Delta Ross, I can't do it. And he said, to this day, I thank God that she didn't change the name. And that was one of those moments when another light bulb went off. And I'm like, okay, God, so, you know, this is this is it. This is it. Because now other people are acknowledging the name. So you know, no, I, I think it's so I think, much to you. Right. Yeah, you know, I Go think ahead. it's great, and and I, I have been. I'm just gonna be totally honest. You know, when you're doing something for God, you know, sometimes we, because we're human, you know, I felt reluctant. You know, there was times when I felt like, oh, well, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't attend this conference because then I have to put the big sign up that says John 14:2 Inc. You know, so my first experience doing a conference, you know, people will walk by and be like, oh, you know, praise God. One lady said, oh, I'm so glad to see John here this morning. And I'm just like, okay, God, you know, so wherever you put me, you'll keep me. You know, and for me, that's that's powerful for me because it's like, you know, you know, we live in, in, in a day and time where a lot of people don't want to acknowledge God publicly. You know, for the but fear you, of... It sounds like you're being, you're getting affirmation every day, which is like really putting you on yes. a spiritual high. Yes. Yeah, every day. Every day. I understand. I understand clearly. Um, Now, have you helped people from different faiths? And if so, could you tell us a story about it? From different states or faiths? Faiths. You know, like a Muslim. Well, you know what? My thing is this, Leslie. When I'm helping folks, I don't really, these veterans, I don't, um, I've never really asked. Um, you know, I've helped African Americans, whites, Latinas, but I've never really asked, okay, what's your faith? Because for me, 
is not important. And at this time, I don't have federal funding. Everything I do, you know, is from small donations that we get along the way and from my own pocket. Um, for instance, I had a social worker to call me and say, okay, Ginger, this is like maybe a week before Christmas. We have a veteran whose unemployment ran out. Um, he's three months behind in his rent, and he's going to be evicted. Do you have something to help him out? Social service won't help him because he doesn't have an income. So I said, well, you know what? I said, maybe we can do one month. I said, how much is his rent? She told me $25. So at that time, I said, well, you know what? $25? $25, because he has a HUD voucher, which is similar to Section 8, but it comes with a case manager and support services. So I said, well, you know what? We're going to pay, John 14-2 Inc. will pay his rent up for six months because he just applied for, like, Social Security Disability and SSI. And I said, that will give him enough time to get all his stuff squared away and to keep the landlord at bay. So my whole thing was I wasn't trying to figure out, okay, is this guy smoking crack? Is he an alcoholic? Um, Is he Muslim? Is he Jewish? My whole thing was Christmas is around the corner. This man has been a model tenant. He's never been late on his rent. He's never given the landlords any problem. So, you know, I paid the rent, you know, for him. So I don't really get into, you know, what the religious beliefs are of the veterans. My, my whole thing and that's, is, that's excellent. And it, uh, why I asked you mentioned earlier that you have your banner and people walk by. And sometimes um, I have a book um, that's, that's based on faith and titled the book as it was faith in it. And a lot of times it generates conversation with people who are non-believers. And yeah. I was wondering if anyone approached you in the same manner that I've been approached. Um, I, I had a few people to come up and say, oh, John 14, 2, what is that? You know, I would tell them, and some people would be intrigued, and some people would look at me and just walk away. Mm-hmm. You know, but my thing is, you know, if you want to know, I'll tell you, but I'm not going to force it on you. Right. You know, and I think if if I'm displaying it, then my job is done. Say God is well pleased. Now, when you help these people, like you don't even make you pay six months rent, did they ever walk out or have you ever um, witnessed someone so happy after being helped by you that they started praising God, even if they were not? Well, I, I have witnessed. I have witnessed one lady. You know, she just we this our our space is the thing. Um, the Washington Redskins had an event. They do an event every year where they give, it's like a turkey drive. They give away turkey, food, all that stuff for Thanksgiving. So this year my organization was called and said, well, Ginger, you know, we want to showcase two veterans. Can you get us two veteran families? You know, we have tons and tons of food, yada, yada, yada. So it was one gentleman. He was a veteran. Um, he was married. They had four or five kids. And we were talking to him, um, telling him about the different services that was available to him through the Department of Veterans Affairs at the federal and the state level. And there was one thing in particular that had to do with a job. And his wife was like, oh, excuse me for a minute. And she went into the corner and she shouted for like maybe 10 minutes. Wow. And that was because right. she like talked to her about a job. Right. There, there, there is a program um, in the state of Maryland uh, for veteran entrepreneurs. And it's a it's an interest-free loan program. And her husband has his own business. But I guess he was, you know, kind of short on the funding side. So we told him about that program, you know, that he would be eligible for that. And she was just overjoyed. And she said, excuse me for a minute, and she went to the corner and she started shouting. You know, I can give you another example of a young mother. She's a veteran. Um, I had volunteered at a toy store drive about three weeks ago. 
Um, they contacted me to bring in veteran families. So I took in 17 veteran families that had about 52 children amongst them. And there was one particular veteran that stuck out, and <clears throat> she really touched my heart because she said, Miss um, Ginger, do you think I can get two toys for my kids? She said, because my twins' birthday was on Friday, and I didn't have anything to give them. So I'm thinking, wow. So then I take her around to the clothing section, and she says to me, um, well, you know what, Miss Ginger, do they have any outside stuff? Because my unborn baby, she don't have outside stuff. So I'm thinking to myself, well, outside stuff, well, you know, and at that moment I was touched, and I knew I had to do a clothing drive. I did an event back in November, and I had bags and bags of stuff at my house under the Christmas tree for veterans. So I said to her, I said, you know what, if I can get my church to let me use the basement, I'm going to do a, a Christmas lunch for women veterans, and I'll invite you, and I'll get some outside stuff for your baby. So I'm just thinking, okay, well, you know what, I'll go to Toys R Us, a baby R Us, and, you know, spend $150 and get some stuff for her unborn child. So when right. I get home, when I get home that night, I open up the bags, and it was the biggest bag that I had was filled with brand new baby stuff for a girl. How did that happen? How did it happen? You said what, what, the bag. That you... Right, because I did I did a um, event back on November fifth with Jack and Jill oh, okay. of Northern Virginia, and they donated a whole bunch of stuff for the veterans. Oh, okay. Right. I never had the opportunity to go through the bags. Oh, okay. So after I told her that I would do this lunch within 24 hours, I came home to start sorting through the stuff, and it was one bag full of newborn clothes for a girl. And at that point, again, that was one of those, okay, God, I see where you're going with this. So, Another affirmation that you were on the right track. Yes, absolutely. So that you were doing the right thing. Somebody was with you. I'm telling you. So we went through the stuff, and we put on this lunch in 24 hours for the women veterans, and it was great. And we didn't have anybody shouting, but people were, the women, they were crying. They were saying, you know, Miss Ginger, thank you so much because I feel like I can smile again. You know, I feel like I can go on. It was great to be in a room of other veterans who understand my struggles. You know, I felt comfortable. You know, and the Washington Post was there. They covered it. So if you go to, if you Google, let's say, Ginger Miller, Washington Post, you'll see that come up. It's in there. There was one veteran. Um, she had five kids, and um, I had collected some other stuff, and it was like some olive green boots. I'll never forget these boots. And it was an olive green suede coat that matched the boots. She said to me, oh, wow, is this a set? I said, well, try the boots on, and I'll hold the coat, because if the boots fit, then you're going to want the coat. The boots fit. She puts the coat on. She started crying. She just broke down and said, you know what, I'm so grateful, Miss Ginger. She said, because this year has been the hardest year of my life. You know, you helped us out for Thanksgiving. You helped us out through Christmas, and now I have a nice coat and boot set to wear. Then another veteran, she found a coat. She put it on, and she started crying. So I said, well, wait a minute, ladies. I said, time out. Let me find out if something in these coats. I said, what's going on with the coat department? And, you know, it was just great. It was just great to have the fellowship. It was great to have the peer-to-peer interaction. And, you know, for me, that's what it's all about, reaching back and strengthening those veterans that need a support system. Okay. Now let's talk about the logistics. Um, who, who, well, well, you know, who's supporting you? And where is your location? How does this all work? Okay, right now I'm working from my home office. Um, I don't have meetings. See, I go out to meet other people at their um, places of business, but, you know, logistically it's just, you know, myself, I have a board for John 14.2, Inc. I have a Women Veterans Advisory Board. I have an executive assistant 
I have two interns, and I'm getting ready to get another intern from the University of Maryland, which is great. Now, where were where, where were these coats at that these ladies were crying over? Oh, at the church, um, at oh, the fellowship so hall. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I, I, I'm going to listen to you. I didn't hear the whole question. Okay, your base is stationed at your church. Is that where you do all your your work, where you meet the people and um, hand out the donations? Well, you know what? I meet them. Work? No, I meet them wherever. Like with the with the toy drive that was held in D.C. at another organization. When I did the lunch, um, the Women Veterans Lunch, that was at my church at the Fellowship Hall. Um, we're working on some other events. Some is going to be held at the Women's Memorial. Um, it just depends on, on what we're doing. You know, what, what we try to do is meet the veterans at their point of need. I don't have a facility as of yet where the veterans can come and sleep or transition housing or something of that nature. So right now, you know, I just meet the veterans at their point of need. Whatever they need, I try to meet that need. As I'm talking to you, I got an email from a young lady who is going to be evicted tomorrow by her husband who has been abusive to her. And, you know, I just sent that email out to somebody else to try to get her some transportation tomorrow morning to move her stuff out. Now, how did, how, did, how did she find out about you? And how do people that want to help you and give and donate codes, okay. you know, how do we how do we contact you? Okay, you can contact me. I know that my... you were featured in, in magazines, so I know that you're, you're, right. you're out there. Right, because I was featured in the Essence magazine, the December issue that came out in November. Um, I've been in the Washington Post. I've been in the DAV magazine. Um, my website is www.john142vets, and that's V as in Victor, E, T as in Tom, S as in Sam, .org, www.john142vets.org. Um, my phone number is 301-283-5268. I can be reached that way. Um, John 142 Inc. has a Facebook page. Uh, we also have another website, which is www.womenveteransinteractive.org. You know, but the best way to reach me most of the time is email. My email address is gmiller at john142vets.org. Now, let's get back to these, these magazine articles. And How did this young lady find you? You know, two years, you've only had this organization for two years. Mm-hmm. There's companies that have been in existence for 20 years and mm-hmm. can't get the exposure that you already attained within 24 months. How are the, <clears throat> excuse me, how are the people, the, the, the veterans finding you, and also how are the media finding you? Okay, the veterans are finding me because, um, like I said earlier, I am a commissioner on the Maryland Commission for Women, and then I also sit on the Maryland Caregiver Support Coordinating Council, and both of those, I believe we have a Facebook page. Um, I sit on different boards throughout the county, but my organization, John 142 Inc., has a strong presence, you know, in the state of Maryland because I do a lot of advocacy, I do a lot of outreach. Um, and, you know, it, it's just by the grace of God that I get the type of exposure that I do. When I did the roundtable in Annapolis back in 2009, that was featured in the Prince George's County Gazette, which in return rolled over into the Washington Post. Now, when I did the Essence article um, this year, I reached out to them. I just sent some emails to some folks that I knew through LinkedIn, and I said, well, listen, my name is Ginger Miller. This is my story. I want to get my story out to the African-American community, to the mainstream, to let other veterans and other women know that there is help available, and you don't have to keep yourself in a prison the way I did for almost 20 years. And that's how I started getting out. And then from that Essence article, you know, people from the Washington Post, um, 
There's a news station I'm going to do an interview, you know, next week. The VA is coming out to do an interview next week. So it's like, okay, you know what? The Essence article really helped a lot to to gain some extra exposure. But I just thank now, God. You want to say you want to thank God? Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm just saying I, I just want to thank God for the opportunity because my nail technician says to me, oh, Ginger, well, who's your PR person? I'm like, you know what? God. Because I don't have one. I can't, I couldn't afford a PR person right now. So, you know, I believe that God has just given me all the tools that I need to have a successful organization, not for Ginger Miller, but for the veterans that I need. So I just try to stay focused that way, that it's not about me, yeah. it's about the veterans. Excuse me. Michelle Obama, you sound like a Michelle Obama. I know you guys would have a great time over tea or coffee. What you know? If you maybe you already met her, but if you could no, meet I, I her, haven't met her. I would, I would love to, if anybody's out there. I would love to meet her and have tea with her. That would be great. What would you say? Because it seems like you two share the share the same passion. I don't know what. It, maybe her father was a veteran. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Her, you know uh, I, I I think that you know Michelle Obama, Mrs. Obama, the first lady. I think she's just a compassionate person. You know, from what I understand, she's real. You know, and she cares, and she's just. You know, she's just out there. But, you know, I would tell her, you know what, first of all, I would thank her for the job that she's doing. And I would thank her for standing behind her man who was our president. You know, and then I would tell her about the good work that I'm doing and to see if there's any way that we can collaborate on something or if there's anything that she would like for me to do to advance her mission. Wow. Well, I'm I'm very proud to uh, to know you, and I'm so happy you uh, oh, decided to come you. on our show. <laughs> And uh, you have a great story, and I hope your husband is doing much better. Yeah, um, he, he is. And with your prayers, and, you know, you seem like a, a real uh, strong woman in, in faith. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm confident that you you and your family are doing well. And mm-hmm. I want to make sure, I know that you have uh, signed up to, to be in um, at the screening. Oh, right. Yes. And we're looking forward to meeting you in person. And okay. I, I, I'm just really um happy to have met you and I'm going to get that magazine, The Essence, I'm going to try to get one, okay. a copy of it and um, mm-hmm. and get you to sign it when I see you. Okay, how about that? So, you know, I look forward to meeting everybody there. I'm looking forward to meeting the gentleman. I can't remember his name offhand. But, you know, I think it's a great event that you guys are putting on and I look forward to meeting you. Okay. All right, Ginger. And keep up the great work and we're going to have a okay. good time on January 14th in Virginia. Yes, Talk thank you, Leslie. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 